0: Welcome into another episode of the Ebony Bird Podcast in the midst of the NFL postseason. I'm your host Jake McDonald. Be sure to check us out at ebonybird.com and ebony underscore bird on Twitter. And of course, as always, this podcast coming to you through iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Welcome into another great edition, everyone. I'm your host Jake McDonald. You can find me on Twitter at mcdonald 95 and as well as you do that. Be sure to download our Ebony Bird app from the App Store. Lots of good content. Of course, our two site experts, Chris Schistler at FootballMan58 and Joe Schiller have been all over the Ravens beat. Joe Schiller with two R's there out on Twitter. A couple of their recent work. Joe had an article out today. Jarvis Landry, the free agent wide receiver of the Miami Dolphins, is exactly the receiver the Ravens need. And then Chris had a good, bad, and ugly from the entire Ravens 2017 season up on there. And we've also had a lot of good draft uh, content coming up, even though the playoffs are far from over. We're already looking ahead to next season, which is something you'll, you won't find anywhere else as in depth as Ebony bird covers it. The official fan sided affiliate for the Baltimore Ravens. And of course, fellas getting into this now, i um, also want to mention with the the mock drafts going on three Ravens, four round mock drafts for by Richard Bradshaw on Ebony bird. And of course his Twitter handle is at Richie Brad's at the Z 36. And, well, another one of our contributors, Connor Brooks, has done a bunch of uh, mock drafts, not for uh, multiple rounds, but for one round, single rounds, one at a time, up through, I believe he's up to four or five now, but plenty of content on Emily Bird for you to check out. Lots of insight on players, not just on the Ravens now, but possibly in the future as we look towards the next draft class, but we have a lot to break down. We're going to get into the Ravens announcing Don Wink Martindale as a new defensive coordinator after Dean Pease's retirement. We're going to address some of the top Ravens needs this offseason, and we're going to talk about the playoffs, of course, because where would we, we be with uh, football talk if it hadn't been for the NFL playoffs? We'll go over Wild Card weekend and look ahead to the divisional round, which is a lot of people like to say the best weekend in pro football. And then we'll end it with some of the discussion about the Alabama uh, Crimson Tide defeating the uh, the Georgia Bulldogs in the national championship game. With Ozzie Newsom being the Ravens general manager and a Alabama graduate, he always is loading up on talent, always looking there. There are a bunch of Alabama players, as there are every year, going out for the NFL draft. So, fellas, let's go over to Chris and then Joe. I guess we can start off by talking about the um, the announcement that the Ravens named Wink Martindale, the new defensive coordinator. Of course, he's been our linebacker's coach since Dean Peace took over in 2012, has been with the Ravens. Uh, and he does have some defensive coordinator experience. He was the Broncos defensive coordinator in 2010. That wasn't a good year. Uh, ranked last in the league, but um, I think something that people aren't talking about is the fact that that happened in a season where Elvis Zumerville missed the entire year, and they also didn't have Von Miller at that time. Um, so I, I know that I know that a lot of Ravens fans are up in arms that they didn't go out and get somebody from a different perspective, but um, I know that this will be a good opportunity for somebody that they've had in-house, which they've done in the past. And, of course, familiarity with the Ravens players on defense. John Harbaugh's season-ending press conference occurred after we had last talked last week, but uh, that's been about a week behind. This is the more relevant topic right now. New defensive coordinator, how are we feeling?
1: Whether or not this is the right decision, it doesn't feel like it's the right decision for a fan base. It really just wants something. Anything to change. We, we got Martin Morningwig. John Harbaugh's coming back. No changes in the front office. Dean Pease retired. And we're like, great. We, maybe we can get Chuck Pagano back. And that's what I think everybody wanted. And then we didn't get Chuck Pagano. He wants to take a break from coaching. And we're like, wow, shucks. So I think, uh, Don Muddendale could end up being a good defensive coordinator. Um, it's hard to judge him off one year with Denver, but. The fact that the one year with Denver is, was bad isn't a good sign. I also don't really like linebackers, coaches and defensive line coaches, uh, front seven coaches in general as a defense coordinator. Cause I think the secondary coach thinks in the more of what the secondary needs. I, uh, the whole defense, I, th- I think front seven coaches like, okay, let's protect the box. Let's, let's get the run defense good. And I, I, I think. D.P.'s fell in the line of a little too conservative, a little too safe, and I just wanted a different perspective than I thought maybe a secondary coach would bring. But other than that, I'm fine with it. Uh, We have to be. The Ravens are unwilling to change anything. And there were some other options. Uh, I think I'm the only one who's brought this up, but I really like the idea of going to the college ranks getting Jim Leonard, uh, the defensive coordinator, giving him a shot, at least it would be different. At least it would be a change. He could run a 3-4 defense. It's not like the, there's like this one room of guys who, who can do what the Ravens want to do defensively. It's just It's disappointing that there's no change whatsoever. It feels like we changed nothing, and I think that's what fans are upset about. But we have to wait and see what happens.
2: Yeah, it wasn't a really surprise because when you heard John Harbaugh talking at the end of the season press conference, he was looking for someone that had experience either in-house or with the team before, and it was basically a race between Pagano and Martindale, and I guess Pagano doesn't really want to do it. He wanted to take some breaks off, like you were saying, Chris. I mean, it's a popular move with the players. I know CJ Mosley and a couple other guys definitely vouched for Martindale. I so saw Tony Jefferson tweeted out a, a tweet congratulating um, Martindale on the job, so it's a pretty popular move in-house. Fans not so much because the Ravens pretty much will not change no matter what. Pease was the only change, and that was forced because of his actual retirement, so it's not one the front office actually made. Um, as far as his previous defensive coordinator job, like, I agree with what you said, Jake. too. I mean, it was at the end of the McDaniel – Josh McDaniel's um, tenure, and that was just terrible for the Broncos. So it's hard to tell with that, but, I mean, Harbaugh said he wanted to implement Martindale's aggressive defensive philosophy. I guess we'll – I'll believe it when I see it, but it's it's just tough because – The Ravens especially had such a hard time guarding the tight end position, and that came with the linebackers. So I want to see if that actually changes. I'm a little hesitant, but it's one of those things where I guess we'll believe the changes when we actually see it. Because, I mean, when the Ravens promote their last five defensive coordinators in-house, I mean, it can't come as surprising when the six is another guy that's in-house.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not too, I'm not too uh, displeased with this move. I was kind of expecting, and I kind of, you know, Pagano. One thing people forget is he battled cancer a couple years ago, and I think he might just need a little bit of a mental check out for a year or two. Do I expect him to be back in the future? Absolutely, but I think right now, I think we all need to be understanding of his privacy and his decision to take a little bit of time off. And really, when Harbaugh said that he was expecting somebody to, um, that's been the system before to take over, I fully expected Martindale to be named. The defensive coordinator but it's just strange that it took this long for them to name it um but before we move on to our next topic I guess we got to talk about the other side of the ball even though the Parball end of season press conference was a week ago almost we'll go over to Joe and then Chris for this one on the other offensive or other side of the ball you have offense coordinator Marnie Morningweg for the second off off-season in a row retaining his job after many fans thought he wouldn't be back how do you guys feel about this move I know I'm certainly feeling a lot more uneasy about this one than I am about the defensive coordinator position yeah,
2: I hate it. I mean, I, the Ravens had such a um, terrible time in the passing game mm. last year, and it's been like that under Marty. Uh, most of the time the offense has just been anemic, even though they picked up in the second half of the season. But look at the competition, and I think anyone could really do that against those teams. So, I mean, I would have—I I hate the move, but I love the fact that they brought back Roman and they hired Urban as the quarterback's coach. I think those are two fantastic moves, especially Roman, because – Um, There were talks about him going to the Harbaugh staff in Michigan or getting another offensive coordinator job. So I think that's great that they locked him up and um, given him more free reign in the offense. And maybe he's the guy who takes over if Marty doesn't do well. I mean, the Ravens aren't shy about firing coordinators during the season, so I wouldn't be mad about that. Um, I think Urban's definitely a bigger move than many people think. He's um, Coach A.J. Green and a lot of good wide receivers in um, Cincinnati, and that's exactly the – position the ratings need help in, especially going towards the draft. So, I also just like the fact that Joe Flacco has someone to work with solely because Marty's been the quarterbacks coach and the offensive coordinator. So, I think it'll be good for him to have a, a fresh face and a guy like Urban to focus on his um, just play and everything and let Marty actually focus on the offense. So, I mean, I'm mad about Marty coming back, but I feel a little bit better with Roman and Urban coming in.
1: I'm going to touch on the Urban thing. I really like the move because he really rehashed Mike Vick's career. I think when you look at the best work that Urban has done in his career, the work he did with Michael Vick is probably the best way to look at that. Uh, I would say with Marty Mourningway coming back, I can't stand it, but did you expect the Ravens to change? Because every year, it's like, well, they don't make playoffs. What are we going to do? We're going to change something. No, we're not going to change anything. The Ravens are resistant to change. They're the most stubborn organization of football. And you know what? There is something to be said about continuity. There is something to be said about hey, this isn't working, and we're going to figure it out together. We're instead of starting over because sometimes a reset helps because it gives you a new perspective and you do different things. Sometimes a reset hurts because you start all the way back to the beginning. I think that's what the Ravens are afraid of. They don't want to start back at the beginning and have Flacco take another step backwards. They, and honestly. When Flacco goes, Morning going to go, and I wouldn't be shocked if at the end of the season, Flacco and Morning Wig are both done with the Ravens. The cap number for Flacco is ridiculous right now. Next year, it's still high, but it's, it's in the area where we might be able to eat it. If Flacco struggles, Morning Wig struggles, I can see the whole thing blowing up next year. At some point it's a ticking time bomb. Something's gonna have to happen. It's either gonna get better or it's gotta gotta change. Marty Mortywig right now though, I mean, as long as Greg Roman and Urban are there, I'm fine with it. Greg Roman gives you the running game, Martin Wig the passing game. Urban keeps Flacco, calm, cool, collected. I'm fine with it. I don't like it.
0: You wanna put quotations in the passing game there, Chris? <laughs> uh yeah. I mean I, I'm okay. trying
1: I'm trying to like glaze over it. I I can't stand it. But
2: what, what did you expect from them to do? I mean, just one thing was I'm looking at other organizations, and it's so surprising because the Ravens missed the playoffs for three years now. And you look at a team like the Packers, who just missed the playoffs for the first time in like nine years. They fire their general manager, you know, fire um, defensive coordinator, really start over. Same with the Seahawks, they fired Daryl Bevel today and then fired Tom Cable, the offensive line coach. Like, even these teams who've had such good success in recent years, even more than the Ravens, are so quick to make changes because, I mean, that's what you need to do when you're not winning, especially um, in those situations. And it just just shows you how stubborn the Ravens are, even compared to bigger teams who've had more success, like the Packers and Seahawks and other organizations.
1: And Pete Carroll is the guy who always likes to use this phrase, you either get better or you get worse. You don't stay the same. And guess what? The Ravens keep staying the same, so they get worse.
0: Well, one thing, I i mean, I can kind of breathe a sigh of relief for is the fact that Roman's coming back. I know there was some uncertainty that Greg Roman wouldn't be returning, um, and we all know how much the Ravens' offense was unbalanced without him there. And I think if even though the Ravens weren't very good on offense this year, I think the addition of Greg Roman really helped the running game, and I think everybody's glad that if Morning Wake's not going to go, Greg Roman will return. So moving on. Now on the Ebony Bird Podcast, our next topic of discussion. This is a little bit early because, of course, the draft hasn't started yet. We're still in the playoffs. We're still focused on who's going to win the Super Bowl and not who's going to be lining up for the Ravens next year as much as we're going to be in a couple of weeks here. But top positions of need for the Ravens, and we saw that they went defense-heavy in the draft last year. I'm all offense this year whether they're actually going to do that. I have no idea. We've seen them not do it in the past, so who knows? Who knows? Um, but Harbaugh talked a lot about adding playmakers last week at the press conference. We'll go to Kristen and Joe. I want to hear your thoughts on the top areas of need for the Ravens this offseason and why. And for me, it's wide receiver, wide receiver, and some more wide receivers. And maybe a tight end and a running back dazzled here and there. What do you think?
1: Jake, you hit the you hit it on the head. Wide receiver. Honestly, if the Ravens drafted seven wide receivers, the world would go crazy, but I'd be fine with it. Because I do some practically, Magic in missing all wide receivers. I mean, it's unbelievable. So if you throw spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks, I'm fine with it. Seven wide receivers, I'm fine with it. I mean, being a little facetious, but, look, you need wide receivers. I think you need to get a free agent wide receiver. I think you need to draft one or two. I think you need a tight end. I think the tight end crop right now is pathetic. It's just not good enough. You can't have one guy who's 30-something catching all the passes or one guy who's young blocking and doing nothing else it's just not working wide receiver tight end and I think the offensive line is set I honestly think the officer line is set if you re-sign Jensen if you don't re-sign Jensen center is something you got to think about but defensive side of the football we're taking care of I don't care taking care of. if you want to get an inside linebacker to put next to Mosley, I'm fine with it otherwise just keep developing the honest war This defense is fine just maybe worry about corner, but no, no, I don't really care. Just give me offense. Give me a wide receiver in the free agency period. Give me a wide receiver in the draft. Give me a tight end in the draft. If you can give me every offensive weapon you can add to this team, I'm fine with it. Give me a backup quarterback, maybe. A backup quarterback that actually pushes Flacker that you can develop two or three years. Maybe be a starter. Don't spend too much on it because, you know, Hopefully, Flagler turns it around, but we've been saying that for infinity. I, you know, just give me offense.
2: That's all I want. Yeah. I mean, you pretty much touched on the four. I started I out with Widerski, obviously. I mean, it was just so bad this year. And then you have Max Bonero, all with the possibility of being gone, and that was you with Rashad Perryman and Chris Moore as you're starting wide receivers and I don't think I ever want to turn on the TV. If that's the case with the Ravens. that would just be so terrible. So, I mean, I think they'll target heavily in the free agent class too and with the draft or at least I hope they do because Ravens say they're going to do a lot of things and don't actually end up doing it. So um, tight end, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, Boyle and, Boyle's a good blocking tight end, terrible pass-catching tight end. Same with Williams, really hasn't shown anything. Gil- Crockett Gilmore's going to be a free agent. Darren is still suspended. Ben Watson is going to retire, most likely. He's a free agent anyways. I mean, you need to step up and um, get some talent there, too. Because when He um, yes, it was healthy. He was one for best receivers. I mean, he was a huge win for Taco. I mean, especially during that Super Bowl run. I mean, having the comfortability of having that security blanket at tight end is huge. The Ravens have really missed that, even with – um let me watch was okay this season. I mean, he's coming up with the torn Achilles, I mean, I think that's the phase is to get your uh, position. I put inside the linebacker as three because Mosley's obviously great. I, I still don't know if Peanut's the answer. I mean, a good guy. I mean, he was a good placeholder, but I think they could definitely target a young linebacker in the draft. Um, I also think a guy like Dan Bradley, who tore his ACL last year, could have easily been – um, a guy who could have come in halfway through the season or close to the end of it. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he comes off this torn ACL. They'll look for him to maybe be a guy. The Ravens really like him, um, undrafted guys. so we'll see there. He's a type of quarterback. I mean, I think sooner or later the Ravens need to draft black as a placement. I don't think they should reach up to, like, the second round, but I don't think they need to be taking sixth or seventh round or undrafted guys that have no chance of making the team. I don't think any of us want Josh Woodrum as our starting quarterback, even though was all the talk about him in the preseason last year. But, I mean, there's guys like Luke Falk or Mason Rudolph who are mid-round quarterbacks who are not obviously ready to start right away, but you can develop them and they can go into an organization like the Ravens, play behind a veteran like Joe Flacco, get in a good situation, and then when Flacco's time is done, you get a quarterback who's ready to play. I don't think they just – the Ravens just can't hold off anymore because sooner or later, Flacco's time is going to come to an end. And the last thing you want is, you know, I mean, they got very lucky drafting Flacco and having him play the way he did coming out the gate, you don't see that that often.
0: Well, one area the Ravens might be looking to add some pieces in the draft is certainly Alabama. We know uh, Ozzie Newsome, general manager of the Ravens, is an Alabama grad, has certain ties there. And, of course, a lot of players on the Ravens' defense, like C.J. Mosley, like a Marlon Humphrey, like a Tim Williams, are all from the Crimson Tide. And they're going to certainly have a lot of talent there, a lot of players as one of the top football schools in the country now the top football school in the country with their national championship win 26 to 23 in overtime over the Georgia Bulldogs on Monday night just some uh, some you know names to possibly keep an eye on in the future for the Ravens you know uh defensive back Minka Fitzpatrick of course the Ravens might not be going defense but just some names here defensive lineman De'Ron Payne linebacker Rashawn Evans you have wide receiver Calvin Ridley who's already been linked to the Ravens and then you have running backs Damian Harris and Bo Scar- Scarborough, excuse me, who won't be receiving a, fa- a congratulatory letter from President Trump in the mail, I think is certainly safe to say at this point. But do you think, with all the names that the um, Alabama has coming out, are we going to be seeing another Alabama-heavy draft here, or do you think the Ravens should just focus on the top players they can get no matter where they're from? I know it's kind of a silly question, but as he's really gone Alabama-heavy the last few drafts, he's never shy to go back to his alma mater. Would that be a place to look, or would they be better off looking elsewhere?
2: I think wide receiver, definitely. I mean, Ridley jumps out as a guy. I mean, everyone's knocking him, they say, because of his age, because he's 23. But, I mean, if he's at number 16 and the Ravens are up to pick, I don't see Ozzie Newsom passing on him. I just don't I just don't think. But I also don't think Ridley's going to fall to 16. I think you can look at number eight, like a team like Chicago Bears, who need a wide receiver, um, help as much as the Ravens do, and he could easily go in the top 10. So I wouldn't be mad about, um, about Ridley at 16. I think he's a great wide receiver, but I just don't see how the Ravens can't go anything but wide receiver in the first round. And he's really the only Alabama guy that sticks out to me that I could see the Ravens taking. So if it's anyone else in the first round, I'd be disappointed. Um, from an Alabama standpoint, but you know, Ozzy's probably going to reach for like a third or fourth round guy, you know, like he did with Tim Williams. I mean, it's just not surprising. He's got all those connections and mm-hmm. he's hit on a lot of guys. I mean, he's, I mean, CJ Mosley's good and a, um, Marlon Humphreys is going to be a stud. We've already seen that during se- the season. So, I mean, yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not mad about it. Yeah, exactly. I'm not mad about it. But, I um, Courtney Upshaw had some um, good years, especially during the Super Bowl run. So, I mean, we'll see. Um, it's we're just with Ozzy, it just won't be surprising.
1: Well, I always thought it was funny that everyone's like, oh, he drafts from Alabama, He drafts from Alabama. Okay, Alabama has won the college football championships in 2009, 2011, 2012, 2015, and now 2017. They're consistently good, and they consistently have the best crop of talent. You can't get mad at somebody for consistently taking from the best crop of talent. That's a bad argument. Now, and the players have panned out. And it hasn't been like he just picked Alabama, Alabama, Alabama. If you listen to sports radio on 105.7 or whatever, you have this impression that he's only drafted Alabama players. It's kind of overblown. He likes to pick from his alma mater, but his alma mater is a football powerhouse. So I would love Calvin Ridley. Um, Deron is amazing, but I don't want him because we don't need him. Um But the, the – one player that I think the most likely player the Ravens would draft in the first round from that game is actually in Georgia. I think Wilpon Smith, the linebacker at 16, you get into a situation where the receivers you want are gone. You do another thing where the Ravens did the first round, Marlon Humphrey. I didn't, I didn't hate the Marlon Humphrey pick. Um, I know we're talking about Georgia player with Roquan Smith, but what I'm saying is I would be shocked. Wilpon Smith at 16 wouldn't surprise me. What a me? no. He's, oh, he's a great player. He's a great player. It would be a good pick. It would be a good player, the wrong player, though. Not what we need. Love him. It would fill a huge need, but the defense is going to be decent without him. I want a wide receiver. I want Calvin Ridley, but would I be shocked if we get Roquan Smith, who I was talking to a Bengals fan. I told him it was uh, Vontaze Perfect without the suspension.
2: Yeah, the Ravens also have that that best player available mantra, that mentality. So you just never know. And Edwin
1: Smith might be the most talented player on defense in the entire draft. If he's there at 16, I, I just don't see Ozzy passing him, even though he's a Georgia player.
0: And one thing before we move on here on the Ebony Bird podcast, I wanted to bring up a classmate of mine from high school, a girl I graduated with. Her name's Bethany Miller. She is now a reporter anchor at WVUA 23 Sports down in Alabama, just graduated from uh, – alabama this past winter and really has gotten the she's been covering all the, the the sugar bowl she was in new orleans last week she was in atlanta this past uh monday night for the national championship really awesome to see all that and uh as a former classmate of mine doing good things down there in the same field that i want to be in so we are the ebony bird podcast again the official fan-sided affiliate for the baltimore ravens again you can find us at EbonyBird.com, and, of course, coming to you through either iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. I'm contributor Jake McDonald. You can find me on Twitter at McDonald 95 joined by our two site experts, Chris Schistler at Man 58 and Joe Schiller at Joe Schiller with two R's. Diving into the NFL playoffs now. Of course, wild card weekend wrapping up. Of course, the Falcons, the Titans, the Jaguars, and the New Orleans Saints all advancing after their uh, victories this weekend. So, fellas, real quick before we break this weekend's games down, Wild Card Weekend, just top takeaways, of course there was a lot of debate about the pace of the game, plays being reviewed, a lot of uh, debate on that. And then you have Bill's Mafia taking over Twitter and smashing each other through tables. Um, just how did we feel after this most recent Wild Card Weekend?
1: Just trying to think if Jacksonville can beat Pittsburgh. I never did it earlier. I really want it to happen. It would be really tough. Uh, Jacksonville's offense was absolutely pitiful against the Bills. And was actually an entertaining game. I kept that on people, I was like, this is an entertaining game. It's not a bad game. It's bad offense, but it's not a bad game. Uh, because every play mattered. Um the Penguins Chiefs game, come on, Kansas City. Um but still uh, the questionable calls with the forward progress. I'm like oh, I'm sorry. I've seen I've seen you they say forward progress, but I've uh, and uh, so they don't even review the fumble, which is a fool, but if Ben Roethlisberger has got three guys around him, you keep the play going on for 500 seconds, and, you know, he squeezed out of it, and then anything can happen. So I don't understand why sometimes they roll forward progress and quarterbacks quickly, and sometimes they don't. Uh, there's no, like, what do we keep harping on? No consistency uh, with the NFL. And um, that's my main fact. I thought the Saints-Panthers game was, Hell of a good time. I thought that was a great game. And, um, the Rams really surprised me. I thought they played tight. I think they're a team that's a year away. Um, but they're my Super Bowl pick. They played tight, man. They, they were not ready for the moment. But I think the Rams probably the most talented team in football. They're
2: going to be back next year and I think they could do some damage. So that's, those are my thoughts. Yeah. The Titan or the Chiefs are like that uh that kid that keeps getting in trouble you're like you're not surprised or you're surprised that you're not shocked i mean they were so bad after they started out five and zero, and that game they were up against they were up uh, against the titans and just forgot to give the ball to kareem hunt somehow and then marcus marietta started throwing touchdowns to himself <laughs> but then he knew the titans really kind of had to win the bag and that um That last run where Derrick Henry ran for the first down when Marcus Mariota threw that block, if you watch – someone posted a video on Twitter. If you watch um, Darrell Rivas trying to go for – to bring Henry down, he doesn't even attempt to. He just walks. So it's it's hilarious. He's just cashing his game check there. I could see Mahomes starting in KC next year. I think everyone's kind of sick of Alex Smith, and Andrew Reid took a lot of hit for that loss. I agree with everything you said about the Rams, Chris. I think they're one year away. Um, they couldn't put it together, but I think it's just a glimpse of what's to come with that team. They're very special. I mean, you get Gurley back and, and golf and all those guys, they're only going to continue to get better. The Bills and Jags was honestly my favorite game of the weekend. It was so ugly, but I loved it. Just the fact that Bills Mafia taking over Jacksonville. I'm so mad that Tyrod Taylor got hurt, but having Nathan Peterman come in on that fourth down was so perfect. And having fumble the ball to himself and actually get the first down, and then try to throw it to jail try to target Jalen Ramsey only to get it picked off. It was so perfect. I loved it so much. It doesn't get anything better than that. Um, and then the Panthers face was a great game. There was some terrible refereeing. That fourth down that Sean Payton went for at the end of the game was the most questionable decision. It was so stupid. And, um, they got intercepted, but he didn't even – it wasn't even an interception. He didn't – it should have gotten caught. Yeah, well, was actually
1: in that was an in, yeah. in interception. If
2: the, if the Saints wouldn't have converted that and the Panthers have really went down and won that game, Sean Payton would have looked like the biggest idiot in the world, but he got his ass saved because of that. And then that Cam Newton intentional grounding was also very questionable. I thought he was out of the pocket, but that's the oh uh, uh, That was intentional grounded. I agreed with the call. Okay. Agree to disagree. <laughs> that's, a tough, that's a tough call to make because if you see it, the right yeah, yeah. tackle moves in. And it's just – intentional grounding is always a tough call to make because of it. Um, and we some home cooking, too. Yeah, definitely, no doubt about it. But that was, I think, the best game of the weekend. And I think um, a good wild card weekend is setting up for an even better divisional round.
0: Did Cam have a concussion on that play or was it really an eye injury?
2: Did you see him after he got hurt? There's no way it was just an eye injury. It <laughs> no,
1: right. the, NFL, the NFL has to be careful with us because that's kind of their default. Right, oh, the, it wasn't it a head injury or that's no. We we have eyes. Don't don't talk to us like we're children that don't understand words. We have eyes.
2: With how high definition or like how um television has such high definition now, you could see Cam had no idea what the hell was going on. Yeah, you, you don't want worry. to take it up? Absolutely, Joe. I'm with yeah. you. And the rule, I think the um, rule was you had to take him to the locker room they didn't. So I don't, I don't know what's going to come out of that. It was, it was just another bad luck for the NFL. And Ooh. but hopefully division rounds um, carries over from the wild card weekend.
0: Certainly, probably not the attention the Panthers wanted on them, especially with the Jerry Richardson stuff going on right now. But moving on. Divisional weekend coming up, arguably, as they all say, the best weekend in pro football and certainly has a good chance to be that this, this weekend. Starting off, we're going we're gonna to pick all the games, and so let's go through Saturday and then Sunday. First two games on Saturday at 4.30, the Falcons taking on the Eagles, who are probably one of the worst number one seeds we've had now that uh, Carson Wentz has gone down. And then kind of an underwhelming Saturday night game with the Patriots taking on the Titans at 8.15. Um, I'm going Falcons. I, I, I'm I originally on the podcast last week. I may, I picked the Rams originally, but I switched my pick later in the week to the Falcons. I'm um, glad I did, and because uh, I think it really came all down to the experience factor with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Devontae Freeman. Falcons are a battle-tested team. They're going to be battle-tested going forward. If they're going to make it to, to the Super Bowl, they're going to have to do it all on the road. I like their chances again. I, I know people are saying that, you know, the Eagles have the home field advantage. I think that all gets thrown out the window with uh, Carson Wentz going down. We saw how bad Nick Foles was the last two weeks of the season. I'm feeling pretty confident in my pick uh, with the Falcons here advancing to the NFC Championship. And then I think, I think we're all in unison that the Patriots are going to win on Saturday night. And it could probably most likely going to turn into a blowout. So Chris and Joe, where are you on these two Saturday games?
1: Yeah, I like the Falcons and I like the Patriots. Oh, I don't like the Patriots. They're going to win. Um, this is the running joke that I've heard over and over again is the Patriots have two bye weeks. Um, I don't know if it's going to be easy. I, I think the Titans can put up a fight, but we're fooling ourselves if you think they're going to win that game. With The Falcons, I just it's not even so much that the Eagles don't have wins. It's that I think the Falcons defense is better than I thought it was. And because the Falcons defense is better than I thought it was, I think they can beat the Eagles no matter what gets thrown at them. And, you know, Philadelphia playoff losses is very similar to Kansas City playoff losses.
2: You know, I just don't expect a win in the playoffs for the Eagles. So I'm going to go Falcons. Yeah, I thought it was going to be alone. The Falcons pick, but I guess we're all in use in there. I mean, they're, they're, favorites on the road against the number one seed, which just says a lot of how the impact of Carson Wentz's um, absence really is on the Eagles. Um, I definitely think the Falcons can blow up the upset. I mean, they've won some of the toughest games that win Seattle and won this year. And, um, I think they're definitely going to win. Um, I think it'll be close. I mean, I think ultimately though, Nick Foles is the downfall of the team. He's just not as good as Wentz, obviously. And they've just been play, they've just been playing terrible. Um, since Wentz got hurt and Foles is has been a backup quarterback for a reason. I mean, he threw 27 touchdowns, two interceptions in one season, but I mean that doesn't really make a difference for anything. Um, Patriots, Titans, I agree with you guys. think the Patriots are going to blow them out. I mean, with all these ESPN reports and everything, that's just like fuel to the fire for them to go win their sixth Super Bowl title. I mean, it's just like it works out so perfectly for them, for Brady, Belichick, and Kraft to do that. So if this is nothing short of a blowout, when it hits the fourth quarter, I'd be very surprised.
0: And moving on to Sunday now, the AFC first as the Jacksonville Jaguars travel to Pittsburgh to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers, of course. The Jaguars defeating the Steelers in October this season. Of course, the famous game where Roethlisberger threw five interceptions. I think, I don't think this game's going to be a blowout. I think the Jaguars' defense is too good for that. But I'm still going to go with the Steelers here to rebound. They're going to have Antonio Brown. They have one of the best running backs in the NFL on Le'Veon Bell. They have other weapons like Juju Smith. I think it could be a close game. I just don't see Blake Bortles being able to go up to Pittsburgh and getting a playoff win. I'm going to go with the Steelers there. And I'm actually going with the Saints over the Vikings. I know that the Vikings are the hot pick. They got the first round by. But like I kind of said with the Falcons pick, I'm going to go with the side of experience here. But more specifically, Sean Payton over Mike Zimmer and then Drew Brees over Case Keenum, who I think is a good guy. I think he's going to get a a nice deal. I don't know if this season's a mirage. I think that the Vikings are loaded with talent on offense. If you put Case Keenum in the Ravens offense or if you put him in a you know, the Jets offense, I'm not sure he has the same success he had this season. Great story. I know a lot of people want to see the Vikings host the first ever Super Bowl at home, but I just like the Saints here. Something's telling me New Orleans.
2: I think the Jags have a really good defense and it's been a while since they played the Steelers obviously earlier in the regular season. But the fact that like, Jalen Ramsey, you know, all these guys feel like the Steelers are going to come out and just destroy them. I don't know why. I just think Blake Bortles is going to have a very tough time on the road. And as good as the defense is, the Jaguars still have to score points to win this game. And the Steelers are really good at scoring points. So I would be interested to see how, Antonio, how healthy Antonio Brown really is. But I think he's not going to miss the beat. I think Logan Bell going to destroy their defense because the Jags' defense, as good as they are against the pass, really aren't that great against the run. So I think the Steelers are going to win this game. Like you said, I, I don't think it's going to be um, that probably won't be a blowout, but I wouldn't be surprised if it is just, a, um, just the Steelers backing up, um, everything from earlier in the season. The Saints is interesting because they met the first week of the season. That's when Sam Bradford was playing. That was really before the Vikings got pretty good. So I'm, I don't know. This is a really tough one. I'm going to go with Vikings just because they're, just because they're defense at home, but I wouldn't be shocked just to see the Saints win. I think it's really a pick em with this one. Um, it all comes down to just how Casey Keenan performs in the playoffs. I mean, we haven't seen him in the playoffs. I mean, pretty much been a backup quarterback um his whole career and is really kind of a system quarterback, like you said, riding a good defense, so we'll see. I'll go with the Vikings just being at home. I'm gonna lay out why
1: Jacksonville is gonna be Pittsburgh. It's a little biased and I I'm not actually sure I believe it. But I'm gonna do it just because it's fun. So Jacksonville one of the best running games in football. I think they're going to run the ball against a Steelers defense that you can run the ball against. I think they're going to control clock. I think they're going to control the game. I think they're going to frustrate the Steelers. And to be fair, the Steelers are the cockiest team in the NFL. This is a team, and I'm not saying this because I'm biased, although I will admit 100% that I hate the Steelers. This team is incredibly cocky. They had one of the, most power puff schedules I've ever seen. No wonder they were 13 and 3. They, they have a really good offensive players, but I think Jalen Ramsey can handle Antonio Brown. Do what he Smith has been doing is just control him. Just just slow him down a bit. You're not going to stop him. You're going to slow him down a bit. 11 on Bell, I think he might have a big game, but you know what? I think at the end of the day, on third downs, Jacksonville's defense is going to win, and I think Jacksonville's defense is the one defense that Ben Roethlisberger doesn't want to see. I'm going to say Jacksonville wins, not because of Blake Bortles, but because of a running game and a defense that is legitimate. I I think Ben Roethlisberger gets frustrated. I think the Steelers get shocked. And honestly, I just, if it doesn't happen here, it's going to happen in New England. Pittsburgh is going down because they are in Incredibly cocky. And I just think they they, they just see you know, the demeanor of a team. They just seem like a team that's ready for a fall and they don't even know it yet.
0: I hope you're right about that pick because I think if Pittsburgh can go into New England, I think they can win. So I'm i am really hoping you're right about that pick. <laughs> I'm going out of the limb
1: because every one it is, it's worth fun. And who wants to hear a podcast where everybody agrees on the obvious thing every every single time? And throw going a wimp because I can see it. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I can see it.
0: And we should we should also prevent any negative thoughts from the Steelers and Patriots AFC Championship game. If there's going to be one, let's just save that let's just save that conversation for next week. Fair
1: <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm with you, okay. dick. I got the Vikings, guys. I think the Vikings. have a really good shot to win the Super Bowl in Minnesota. I'm rooting for that. But you know what? I think the Vikings defensive front is going to dominate this game. The Saints running game is going to get get halted. I think Drew Brees is going to have to win the game on his own. And you know what? That's not the Saints formula. I think Drew Brees can do it. But I... I Just Everson Griffin, man. He's having a hell of a season. Linval Joseph, that defense is insane. Give me the Vikings and uh, give me uh Davy Rhodes interception to seal the deal.
0: Certainly Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram going up against the Vikings defense gonna be a big matchup to watch this weekend as the NFL divisional playoffs continue again. For Chris and Joe, I'm Jake McDonald for Ebony Bird. Follow us on Twitter. Again, those handles for Chris at Fulpaman58. Joe at Joe Schiller with two R's. I'm J J McDonald ninety-five, and of course Ebony underscore bird is our site's Twitter handle. Thank you for tuning in to either our podcast on iTunes or Block Talk Radio. Be sure to check out the app. Again, all the articles that we have out for you, not only today, but the week as well. And all of it can be found at EbonyBird.com. So for Joe and Chris, I'm Jake McDonald. We will talk to you next week right here on...